0: I need to go. Ninety seven FM Talk Podcast. The following is a paid program.
1: it's saturday it's 10 o'clock it's 97.1 so i on health my name is michael jones i got dr steve harvey good morning ready to go we got eric beto robert running the board what's going on dr jones and we have a mystery guest in the room we do mystery stay tuned to find out who that is i'm very excited because this is going to be a very pertinent talk topic we actually haven't talked about it in a while Mm -hmm. but it probably affects pretty much everyone that's listening knows someone that this topic affects correct absolutely Mm -hmm. more than one would you guess When you see so dr harvey who do we have on today
0: we have drum roll we have dr arturo taka dr art taka uh dr taka is uh someone i've been friends with for a long time he is board certified in general psychiatry uh, also board certified in addiction medicine uh, he was the uh, president of the Midwest region for the American Society of Addiction Medicine, and he runs a uh, a very excellent sort of boutique uh, alcohol and drug rehab program called InSynergy uh, out in West County.
1: And the website for InSynergy, Synergy, so um, listeners can log in and check it out, especially while we're on commercial break. Yes,
0: yes, is uh, and and so be careful with the spelling here. Yes, right. It's I N S Y N E R G Y. STL.com. insynergorr In, <laughs> in right.
1: Synergy, STL.com. Yes, that's there right. There we go. Also, okay. This one's easy. 314 649 STOP. Yeah. 314 649 STOP. That's the number you can call to get someone help. So, yes. Very excited for you to come on, Dr. Taka. I can't wait to talk to you about this. Um, what do you mean, first of all, before uh, this is kind of a loaded question here, quickly, what do you mean by a boutique? addiction practice?
2: Well, I I don't know if I would consider boutique. It, it's it's personalized addiction uh, treatment. So um, we get away with more things that, uh, you know, we, we, we spend a lot more time with with the, 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 the clients and the families, uh, things that uh, insurance companies typically don't cover. I so, see. you know, it's very individualized.
1: So we've had other practitioners on mm-hmm. the show For the last several years that are like boutique general medicine practitioners, Mm -hmm. um, where they kind of function in and and outside of what insurance can do. That's right. um, But it allows them to give more individualized care. They're not in the rush where you got to see a patient every five minutes to get through. That's right. I'm guessing it's the same sort of concept, but just in the realm of addiction medicine, not, say you know, family practice.
2: Exactly. And, uh, you know, addiction, if you, if you've experienced it in your own family or with friends, it's, it's very complicated with lots of layers and it's something that you can't, uh, fix or address in a 10 minute, uh, visit. So really we have to peel off layers. Sometimes sure. we have to bring in friends and family and take our time. It's really a process. It's not something that you can cut out or give a, a pill for. It's, It's something. It it is really a process.
1: I can't wait to talk to you more about it and find out uh, what you guys do at In Synergy. Um, I would imagine, just just uh, from the outside looking in, that sort of approach to addiction care has got to be more effective than some sort of, um, you know, where you're just running like a factory type of uh, uh, care, which is what most people probably have to deliver. I'm guessing the results are.
2: We like to think that our outcomes are 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 much better. Um, we have a good aftercare program and an alumni experience. Um, the The quality of care has gotten better over the years since the standard of care is really encouraging uh, medication management therapies and uh, with with good counseling. So before we really have, have, have changed the way we approach addiction because we didn't really understand it. Now we know that uh, certain things in the brain and, and certain things are, uh, you know, lighten up. It's become a real science over the last several years.
1: That's great. I can't wait to talk about it. Now, I'm going to, uh, before we go to this first commercial break, you know, Dr. Harvey, we, we always go over the topic du jour yes. for medical studies that may have seeped into mainstream Media. Yes. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, and and then talk about them and maybe even debunk them. Mm-hmm. I did not prep, surprisingly, for long-term listeners who know that we put hours of show prep into this mm-hmm. operation oh, here. I did not prep any of you on this, and I just want to get your take. And it's talking—we've talked about this before. What is the effect of all of this computer use, social media, addiction to technology? What's the effect on the brain? There's got to be some effect on the brain, Right. It's got to be.
0: I I would think so. I, I think in particular,
1: yeah. uh-huh. my concern, especially uh-huh. looking at my own children who are addicted to these things, mm-hmm. by the way, I'll be signing them up for in- Synergies yeah. addiction here. Um, <laughs> what does it do for our ability to um, process complex information? Because we are so used to being able to just look something up and bam, it's, you know, it's right there. Yeah. That's got to affect us as humans is how we're processing information. So... So uh, this, this um, study, which seeped into mainstream media, was published in a journal called Scientific Reports. <laughs> I've never heard of it, but it was published from researchers from Penn State University, which I have heard of. Yes. The yeah. Nittany Lions. There you go. <laughs> Known for their football team, mm-hmm. but also they have researchers there, Eric. Did you know that? I did know oh. that. Yeah. Any of you guys aware that there were researchers there? Yeah. Yeah, too. It's wow. an interesting study, Steve. I want to see what your take. They took sure. 50 people. All right. Yeah. aged 18 through 40, okay? okay. So they All didn't right. look at the younger people that we talk about usually, but uh-huh. 18 through 40. Yeah, And they gave them scientific papers to read. Uh-huh. And while they're reading these scientific papers, they put them in an MRI machine. Cool. And they were looking okay. at certain areas of the brain. All right. And what they found is, they gave these people surveys as to how much they use technology in any given day. And what they found was, the volunteers in this program who spent a significant amount of time on electronic devices throughout the day had lower activity in certain brain areas when they were reading these studies. In particular, in particular, these are my two favorite areas of the brain, by the way. The left insula. Oh, yeah. That's one yeah, of my you're, favorites, too. You're well too, aware of that the one. The left insula, yeah. And the inferior frontal gyrus. These yeah. studies say those two areas of the brain are tied to processing complex information, and they found that in the surveys that they gave these volunteers, if you were a heavy user of technology, you described mm-hmm. yourself as such, those layers, ha- uh, areas of the brain had lower activity when reading complex scientific studies. Hmm. So, Dr. Harvey, yeah. can we conclude? Okay. Oh, I got it. With a good answer, but, yeah. degree of evidence here, that if you use your technology, you can't com- you can't comprehend complex information. Can I say that to my well, kids?
0: I was reading Facebook this morning, so no, I have no idea. He's,
1: he's, <laughs> his eyes are glazed over. He's not even. Pe- <laughs> Eric, he's must, not even. It's too attention. complex <laughs> of a question. You got to break it down. <laughs>
0: it, it must be that social media, because I really have no idea. No, I, I, I do have an answer for that, and I think, uh, you know, again, association doesn't mean causation. There we go. How you know, many it, times it? we say it? I know, yeah, yes. and, and 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 how. No matter how many times we say it, it's never enough. Another possible argument is, you know, maybe people who use so you could turn it around. Maybe the people who use social media, it's easier for them to process complex information because they don't need to activate those parts of the brain as much to do the same stuff. That the other people are doing. Number so, number yeah, one problem
1: yeah. with the study is what we say every time. Association does not equal causation. Yeah. Number two, we're only talking about 50 people here. Right. Number three, they self-described their technology use.
0: Yeah. It's yes. not like
1: we put yes. them in a laboratory and watched how many hours they were on their phone. Yes. And so they may either under or over report how, you know, they're on technology. There's lots of problems with this study, yeah, but bang, it did yeah. seep into the mainstream media and it's, Kind of germane to what we're talking about today, right? I mean technology addiction's there. That's right. It is. It's really there. So anyway, what do yeah. you think?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I mean,
1: we can I tell my kids or do I do we need more studies? We we need more
0: oh. studies. We need more studies. Yes.
1: Is we, it gonna be done at Penn State? We'll see. We'll see. Maybe. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. yeah. There you go. All right. Hey, I'm excited because we got more eye on health. When we come back, we're gonna be talking with Dr. Art Taka from InSynergy. Check out the website, InSynergySTL.com. Stay tuned for more Eye on Health after these words. What is that? This is uh, The Black Keys. All right. Nice. New album. Okay, very good. Hey, this is Ion on Health. Every Saturday from 10 to 11 here on 97.1 FM News Talk, we're talking about things related to your health. My name is Michael Jones. I got Dr. Steve Harvey here. Mm-hmm. We got Eric What's going on? running the show. Excited about yield curves? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Always excited about yield curves. But
1: most importantly, we have Dr. Art Taka here. Dr. Taka is from In Synergy um, Addiction Services.
2: That's right. Am I getting yeah. it
1: right? It's like a boutique practice for addiction um, medicine.
2: Yeah, we like to call it individualized. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> Indiv- <laughs> individualized uh, addiction care.
1: Yeah. Um, boutique, you think you're going to go in there maybe get your hair and nails done? Nice. Get yeah. a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> get
2: your hair cut. You should have yeah. More than just an on. addiction practice. Hey, there yeah. you I'm go. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, Dr. Taco, before we get in, we're talking off, of course, all the best conversations happen in the commercial break. Yeah. But we'll get into what, what you do. I'm just a little curious on your, so you're, you're, you're board certified in psychiatry, but also addiction medicine. That's right. I'm just curious as a physician, what do you have to do to get into addiction medicine? Like, is it a fellowship branch of psychiatry? That's right.
2: Yeah. Now it's a recognized independent specialty. So in in the field of psychiatry, there's something called addiction psychiatry, and then you can take training in addiction medicine. So I chose the route of addiction medicine because I already knew psychiatry. And so- uh, Are these
1: relatively new subcategories? I mean, were they around when I was going through my training? I just don't yeah, just not aware
2: yeah so the the medical societies usually evolve over time as the uh, science matures so usually there's academies and then societies and all of a sudden they become full-fledged recognized independent boards so addiction medicine is a new uh, specialty it's recognized by the independent uh, Board of uh, uh, medical specialties you can do training and fellowships and I think we've got over 40 fellowships around the country we are starting one at st. Louis University that my uh, clinic is going to be involved with training new fellows in addiction medicine.
1: Fantastic. Yeah. That's great. And, you know, this is the hot topic, right? I mean, it's it, it's addiction is we are. I feel like we're becoming more aware of it, or at least we're more willing to talk about it. Right. Yeah. I think so.
2: Oh, absolutely. Especially with I the mean,
1: opioid crisis. The
2: and, and especially in the state of Missouri. Now we've got this uh, marijuana movement. So uh, we as doctors have to. Uh, sift through the the good the bad and ugly what roles we play uh, during the evolution of this uh, business right Um, how do we protect our citizens here from from the uh, risks of of uh, of marijuana Um, and if there's a benefit we have to you know be clear uh, with with how to use it and and, sure
1: dr. Taka this may surprise you we just did a whole show on marijuana Mm mm-hmm and then we came in here and we couldn't remember what we talked about last week. <laughs> no, just last week. Short-term hey, where can lesson. they find the podcast, by the way, if they want to go listen to that show? Go to ionhealthradio.com
0: and you'll see all the podcasts Fantastic. up there. Of course, you can also go to 971talk.com. You'll see them there as well.
1: So we, we talked about the marijuana. Let, um, one of the things that was interesting in some of the emails we were going back and forth here. It seems like because the opioid crisis is, is becoming so uh, prevalent in our discussions, are we forgetting about alcohol?
2: well I think <laughs> is yeah. alcohol
1: becoming less of a problem because uh, opioids are becoming more of a problem
2: a- actually the opioids um, is the star of the show and um it's it's turning it's it's kind of changing because a couple years ago it was the the pain pill uh, problem right yes now we have seen some uh, statistics showing that there is a decrease in prescription uh overdose uh, so so I think doctors are doing. The right thing they're changing the behavior overall there's there's more opiate uh, overdoses and that's because of the introduction of fentanyl and carfentanil into the supply chain and um after the uh, the, the the pain pill um uh epidemic then the heroin and then on the heroin now we're seeing the the synthetic opioids so this is still a a moving this is still a growing story this opiate thing but yeah the alcohol story at any given moment in our in our program Half of the people are seeking uh, help for alcoholism. Uh, half is uh, half are obviously the, the opiates. But alcohol has always been a consistent um, uh, issue with you know uh, with the, well, the, sure. so- society
1: ever since prohibition, I guess, right? Right. Right. <laughs> or the right, end or right. the end of thereof. Um, one of the questions that always comes up with alcohol because it is socially acceptable to have drinks. Eric, it is not socially acceptable to shoot up with heroin at a cocktail party, as I, far I, as I'm aware, I, at least not in last Missouri, checked, yeah. in Hollywood, right. maybe, but not here. But in Missouri, it is socially acceptable to have drinks at a cocktail party. So one of the questions that always comes up with alcohol is, when is it like I'm addicted to it versus I'm just having drinks with my friends? Right. And, and does it blend? You know, does the line start to blur after yeah, a while?
2: Yeah, so we don't have a simple, elegant blood test or CAT scan to determine whether somebody's addicted So the best uh, guide we have is something that uh, the DSM, uh, our book in psychiatry that describes uh, mental conditions, they put uh, criteria together that has uh, 11 bullets, and you describe somebody's substance use disorder um, by the, how, how many bullet points they, they qualify for. So if you have one to three, you have a mild substance use disorder, and then three to six, you have moderate, and then over six, it's, it's severe. Um, some, some of the things that are, are described as craving, um, your, your withdrawal and tolerance, uh, the behavior associated are you are you seeking ways to to get the the drug and you're you're um, not uh, res- you know uh, keeping up with your responsibilities at home. So there's eleven of, of these descriptors and that's how we're we're uh, um, uh, describing it. But obviously, if you're addicted to it, you're drinking too much. If you stopped, you'd have withdrawal symptoms, and that's clearly. You know, right. something that, that, that shows us that the body and the brain's addicted to the... Sure, the, right. You know.
1: That tells you that's a chemical reaction right that's mm-hmm. occurring, right? It's not just a, w- a weakness or lack of willpower. That's if right. you're actually having physical symptoms when you... when you That's withdraw. right. Is the point system new or has that been around and I just well, wasn't paying attention? No,
2: no, no. The the, the DSM has changed, I want to say the last five years, from four to five.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think four to five... I think it was four or five years ago. Five years ago, ago it seems not like, five yeah. Years ago? yeah. Yeah, time flies. Yeah,
2: but yeah. A few years ago, yeah. So we're in our fifth edition. Yeah, um, one thing that they uh, added in this edition was craving was um, was included. So okay. if you describe cravings, uh, that's that's one point.
1: Um in this point system, does this apply to all types of addictive behavior, including technology or food? Or is this only talking about um, substance
2: Yeah, so this specifically looks at uh, substance use disorder. Now, you're describing things that could be like process addictions. And we talked about video game addictions and food addictions. And people can say, I'm addicted to running or I'm addicted to pulling my hair out pizza or pizza yeah Pizza. so we consider uh, uh something uh that's addicting chemical or process to run through a part of the brain near those uh, places that you described before right in the middle of the brain and if it doesn't go through the the limbic system this place called the ventral tegmental area uh, that results in a squirt of dopamine um if it doesn't go through that area we don't consider it addicting so that's why uh, technically inhalants and LSD is not considered to be, you know, huh. addicting because they don't produce pleasure. So other things that are addicting like nicotine, um, alcohol, opiates, they all go through the system that makes the brain go, Hey, whatever you did up there, do it again. Uh,
1: and are there, s- and are there again. some that are, you go through that system maybe stronger oh, than others? Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. Like, what's the strongest? So
2: methamphetamine is pure, pure, uh, dopamine. You know so even alcohol it doesn't uh it indirectly squirts out dopamine or endorphins so some people who are genetically predisposed to, to addiction they drink they, they they feel the the intoxication and and endorphin is released it's it, it stimulates those mu opiate receptors that uh, opiates re- uh, huh. you know uh, and then it, it squirts a little dopamine
1: so some are more directly acting some are indirectly, indirectly acting that's right. and some like meth <laughs> it's like
2: straight mainlining the, yeah, it yeah
1: very good okay so we got a lot more to go over we've got dr art taka here from in synergy it's i-n-s-y-n-e-r-g-y-s-t-l.com in synergy.com 314-649-STOP is the number there to get someone help when we come back i want to talk about more of these uh, addictive properties of certain things and maybe how successful are the treatments at this uh I won't say sure. boutique anymore. Yeah, yeah. Individualized <laughs> uh, yeah, clinic. Individualized. So, folks, stay tuned. We got more Ion Health after these words.
0: See you here. FM News Talk 97.1. This is the Ion Health Show. And today we have with us in studio uh, Dr. Art Taka, Medical director of the InSynergy Drug Rehab program.
2: Thanks for having me here, Dr. Harvey.
0: Uh, so glad to have you here, Dr. Yeah. Taka. Yeah, yeah. So, so we got we got tons of good stuff to talk about, but let's let, let's talk about um, your treatment approach, to alcoholism or to, to substance abuse in general, but especially alcoholism. Can you kind of walk us through uh, what an evaluation is like and what what some of the treatment options right, are? Right, for, right, right. For so, come in? we
2: were kind of talking off off the air about why talk about alcoholism. Well, yeah. at any given moment, uh, we have half of our census is alcoholic, uh, alcoholics. Yeah. Um, alcoholism still remains a, a to be one of the biggest uh, preventable. Uh, causes of death in the united states it's actually number three yeah so number one is nicotine nicotine still kills half a million people every year behind that is diet and and and, and immobility issues Mm -hmm. right and then um at uh, almost ninety thousand uh deaths a year is alcohol wow and uh, just to compare that with the opiate crisis and everybody's um you know uh throwing their hands up with this opiate crisis that's at 70,000 mm. so still alcohol kills more people than the opiate crisis wow. right now wow. yeah. so um and 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 out of the uh, uh the motor the the, the the car deaths about 10,000 a year uh, mm. over 30 percent is directly related to alcohol mm. so you can eliminate uh 30 percent of the motor vehicle accidents deaths yep. by eliminating alcohol but we tried that one time and before, <laughs> right, so, right? Yes,
0: we we had that little period in history. Yeah, and it yeah. didn't go too well.
2: So, yeah. so the approach would be somebody obviously calling for for information, and, and they come into the um, to the clinic. We assess them for um, uh, medically. We have to see if they're they're in need of with uh, treatment for withdrawal. Because alcohol is one of the few substances that is very dangerous in withdrawal. Yeah. So if somebody, like I said before, if somebody is drinking and then you, 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 you can't stop because of uncomfortable feelings or sweating or, or high blood pressure, you, you have to address that medically. If you don't, you have a high risk of seizure. Yes. And then you've heard of the DTs, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a high rate of mortality uh, when you hit, uh, you know that that period about three days after the last drink, right. people can get delirious and confused and have seizures quickly. Yeah, and yeah. so if you don't treat that medically, um, that's the first thing we do. We assess if they're uh, medically stable. Yes, and uh-huh. so uh, if they come in and need for for withdrawal treatment, we have to use medications and we have to instruct the patient. Listen, we can oftentimes do this as an outpatient. Uh-huh. Here's a list of uh, standard medications that'll keep you comfortable. We have to make sure that the system is in place at home so they don't drink on sure. the medicine. Right. Um, if yeah. they're they're too unstable, we'll recommend inpatient uh, treatment because, you know, again, if they've had a history of previous seizures, it's easier to have one again. Right. So if there's a big risk for having another seizure, we'll, we'll recommend to, to have them a... Um, admitted to the hospital, but most of the time we can treat uh, withdrawal symptoms of alcohol uh, as an outpatient if the system allows.
0: Yeah, so it's so, like a, like a medically supervised outpatient uh, right, detoxification, right, right, right. which I think is exactly what a lot of people need who are. Too
2: embarrassed to go to the hospital or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And after that, while we're doing that, we do a medical workup. We do Mm -hmm. some blood work. One thing that's uh, kind of unique in our practice is we do genetic testing. Mm -hmm. And so while we're treating them for the withdrawal, we get labs back. We assess if there's any damage to any organs. And in alcohol, there's not a system that's not affected. But most of the time, the liver is the first one that says, hey, you're drinking too much, right? So the liver can die, and you can die if you have liver failure. So we assess uh, whether or not there's any damage to the blood system or the liver or any organs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then after a couple days, we get genetics back, and we determine whether or not... Um, um, how they metabolize certain medications, and if there's depression that's that's leading them to drink, and uh, wondering if this medicine is better than the other medicine based on um, uh, metabolism. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of things you can do with with genetics. it's It's mm-hmm. still a very young specialty, but uh, we're going to be talking about genetics in, in, in most of our specialties yeah. um, mm-hmm. soon I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm for sure. Uh, for that, so once we get a medical workup, make sure that they can um, they um, they're they're stable and not at risk for any um, you know uh, seizure. Uh-huh. We introduce them to the to our um, comprehensive program, yeah. so they will see me and I'll assess whether or not there's a psychiatric or psychological problem that I can chase, mm-hmm. whether there's a depression or whether there's a different kind of depression called bipolar depression. Mm-hmm. The, the, the importance of determining that is because bipolar uh, disorder doesn't respond to medicines that are, are used for depression. Right, they're quite different. They're quite, yes. they're actually the, uh, the opposite. So we really gotta determine uh, what kind of depression do you have? Do you have bipolar mm-hmm. or do you have regular depression? Um, a lot of other things that uh, show up is, is uh, anxiety disorders, insomnias, and ADHD. Believe it or not, ADHD. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so ADHD, the, the reason why they're at risk is because of their impulsive nature. Yeah. So people who have ADHD have, you know, they're impulsive, and a little hyper, and they're quick to, um, to do risky behavior. Yeah. And so we've got to actually treat that first, identify it and oh. treat it.
1: Dr. Tucker, how often... Is there an underlying psychiatric condition
2: uh, I, in addiction? I usually expect something to pop up, um, especially during the, the first wow. few months because there's something called post-acute withdrawal symptoms. So, so when, when somebody's using opiates or alcohol for a long period of time, we sober them up and they're just not feeling right. We don't know if it's a brewing bipolar or a pre-existing depression, but your brain and spine are not firing at the same speed. They may they may report insomnia, irritability, things that may look like a disease, right? You know, a psychological issue, but it's really kind of the substance uh, uh, leaving the system and causing some problems. So I'm always expecting. Hey, you know, I'm always asking, how's your sleep? How's your uh, your energy? How's your concentration? Uh, and sometimes it's actually a direct uh, cause of the, the substance kind of uh, leaving and the brain and the spine. So that would
1: it? be after yeah. they they're trying to stop. How often is a psychiatric condition? What got them into right, the addiction right, in the right, first right. place?
2: So usually that's why our program is usually it starts at three months. So usually in three months we get to usually determine. Hey, you know what? You know, you've been really up and down. Boy, you've come in here and you've been really hyper and, you know, you've been sober for like two and a half months. And you're telling me that you're, you know, you're buying things and and, uh, not sleeping for a day or two. Do you have a relative with bipolar? Oh yeah, I forgot to tell you, my twin brother had bipolar. Oh okay, right. So right. usually yeah. in about three months we get we're pretty sure what may be brewing. That's why we like to do uh, you know long long uh, treatments because yeah. you can't get uh, anywhere just you know oh, sure. a month. Right. You yeah, know.
0: yeah. It sounds like that's one of the big advantages of that type of program because right. like if someone goes to the hospital for five days, they'll never they'll ne- that stuff will never be detected. Right. Or if someone just sees a doctor you know once a month or something. Also, that kind of stuff they will miss, never yeah, be detected. The yeah, they testing. miss everything. Yeah, and,
2: and our patients yeah. are notoriously, you know, um, <laughs> sure. uh, I yes. guess, um, <laughs> non-compliant, or they don't report everything. They don't. They don't report everything. Yes, they don't. They don't report everything. Yeah. Yeah. So we have to watch them, and we watch them for th- you know th- three months and see if there's any reenactment, you know, mm-hmm. whatever that is. Right. Yeah. And we have a team of people that kind of um, you know watch. Uh, because they're in the in the yeah. clinic uh, several times a week, they're seeing the therapist, they're doing groups, they see mm-hmm. me, uh-huh. and we all have a treatment uh, uh, staffing every week, and we kind of say, "Hey, compare notes." Right? Yeah, yeah. So, so, a lot of it's evaluation and finding other
0: conditions that you can treat, other conditions that are probably feeding the drug, the, the yeah. substance abuse yeah. problem. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And how about? Uh, I think some of our listeners would be interested in learning more about uh, the the medications that can help in uh, in substance abuse right like right medications for alcohol
2: yeah so alcohol mm-hmm. we can talk about alcohol i mean there's there's now fda medications that have been around for a long time that treat different addictions for mm-hmm. for smoking uh-huh. for opiates and, and for alcohol yeah. so in the case of alcohol there's been uh the uh, three main medications that have been approved one's called uh or antabuse mm-hmm. and what that does is when you drink you get sick So, it inhibits an enzyme that breaks down all the alcohol.
0: It's like direct punishment when someone drinks. That's right, spanking (laughs) somebody
2: when they they misbehave. They drink, you drink. Negative reinforcement. That's right. That's right, negative reinforcement. Right. Uh, very See, helpful. I can we get to, every? Co- I went to medical school. As my kids <laughs> go to go to
0: college, yeah. is that can we just get a prescription you sure? for them on hey, that? <laughs> <laughs> just go and head it in. <laughs> right, you know? right, right, right. Just take been, one of these before you go out on Friday. Yeah.
2: <laughs> that's been available since the 80s. Right? Yeah. So um, in the 2000s, another medication that was uh, uh, developed was something called acamprosate or camprol. Mm-hmm. And that suppresses a chemical in the brain that is usually high when you're going through detox or when you're um, uh, d- drinking too much. Much called uh, glutamate. Mm -hmm. So it suppresses glutamate and increases GABA and it uh, tries to uh, uh, get the balance back. Um, And then the last um, uh, uh, compound is called naltrexone. Naltrexone is pretty interesting. It's been around since the, the 80s as well and it's an opiate blocker. And so one would think, well, why does it work for drinking? Well, we saw that uh, when they were studying it for for opiate addiction back in the uh, in the early days, that people were reporting that their cravings for alcohol were decreased. So they studied it. And what they found out, and this is I think, this is when when addiction medicine really started becoming more sophisticated. They were like, "What's going on here? Why is alcohol in the opiate system? Uh, how, how is it related? Like I said before, people who are genetically predisposed, when they drink, there's endorphin release, yeah, more than some people, right? So this endorphin, it's endomorphine. So it's like your your morphine that we make. It fits into that that opiate receptor that we have in our brain. yeah and mm-hmm. so it, the brain is like, well, thanks for that uh, morphine, okay, mm-hmm. and yeah. you mix it with alcohol that that the feeling of drinking is much more um it's more euphoric yeah so yeah. Uh, if you can imagine if you block that opiate uh receptor with naltrexone uh-huh. it can decrease that that euphoric feeling that was that, that that feeling that was once linked to euphoria yeah so so, so basically drinking isn't as fun it's anymore. not as fun not as fun right okay. right right yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the problem with all these medicines that that uh, you have to take a pill and you don't know where everybody's kind of commitment level is. right? Yeah. So some people are like, well, I, I don't want to stop drinking. It's too fun. Um, so they'll stop the pill right so if they want to just uh, you know they may uh, g- get prescribed but it, there's never a second or third of uh, uh, refill but so the the newest uh, 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 innovation recently is the the development of naltrexone in a one-month injection That's oh, called yeah, Vivitrol, great.
0: and that that's awesome yeah
2: yeah, yeah. take so it out of
1: their hands take
2: it out of their hands right, right. yeah and so. we we, we uh, have a lot of experience with with Vivitrol and works really really good um, for, for for alcohol and also it's got an indication for for opiate dependence yeah. as well so once they get a shot
0: they got that medicine in their system for a whole month
2: that's right which is awesome that's right yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah nice nice.
1: very good all right hey great information hey Dr. Taco when we come back from this break I do want to talk about something that me and Dr. Harvey talk about all the time which is what's better medicine or counseling okay or both yeah okay <laughs> yeah, all, right. all, right. Good, all good. right stay tuned we got more Eye on Health coming back after these words
0: Seven point one. This is the Ion Health Show, and we have with with us today uh, an addictionologist and psychiatrist, Dr. Art Taka, and we're talking about drug and alcohol rehabilitation, especially specifically uh, alcohol uh, treatment for alcoholism. And uh something we were talking about off the air that I think is a really good topic for us to go over is I think there uh, have you seen sort of different schools of thought on treatment of alcoholism like the the therapy counseling touchy feely yeah. school of mm-hmm. thought mm-hmm. versus the medication school of thought what what are your thoughts about the schools of thought yes, do you think yes, one's yes. better than the other one the other yeah. both what what so, what, so what the do you reason think?
2: what attracted me to the uh, field of addiction medicine because it, it is um evolving at a very fast pace um my society when i joined the society uh 15 years ago it was basically a club of doctors in recovery and they didn't have any tools they didn't have they didn't understand mm. addiction they were kind of uh, survivors of their own addiction uh-huh. and so I was not in recovery however I was very interested in it right yeah. and the interest yeah. in the science and the brain and eventually we understood what parts of the brain light up when you when you feel good or get can get addicted to and the, the th- nice thing about the addiction society is you know these people that the old guards and that they didn't have much tools they really embraced science they embraced the the, the new innovations and it really uh, uh, appealed to me because you know in other in other uh Mature fields. There's nothing really new, right? But addiction is new. We don't know what's going on. In right. the '80s, we thought it was a fried egg in the brain, and we thought it was <laughs> right. not enough religion. That. This that is it, your it, brain on yeah, We don't really. think that anymore. Yeah, no. right. <laughs> I missed that memo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Though, right? Now we talk about the brain. Is you know, like you said in the beginning, the insula lighting up, the amygdala. These are parts of the brain that 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 talk to the big part of the brain. You know, if you yeah. think about the brain, is the deep part of the brain being the lizard brain, mm-hmm. and then the the big. Part of the brain, the cortex, is the wizard brain so you know they talk to each other you know the lizard brain just wants to have fun and get high and have sex and play all day the wizard brain goes no you can't do that you gotta go to work tomorrow you gotta make you got you know but the lizard brain goes come on let's just do it one more time no one caught you your depression went away so actually they they do have projections going back and forth and um so you know um we have to respect that there's a part of of the brain that responds to counseling usually the wizard brain Yes. Because that's the executive center. That's where we make sense of everything, right? Yes, yeah. And then we, we develop uh, medications that target the lizard brain that calm that down. Ah. so the question oftentimes but what's better the counseling or the or the medications and in, in reality your best batting average is if you attack both yeah. so you yeah. cut you you reduce the cravings by by focusing on what's what's uh, what's uh, lit up in the in the in the lizard brain mm-hmm. and then you go to counseling and then you you did you you you, uh, you develop more tools you know and yeah. all these are layers right you know the the Vivitrol shot is a layer it's not yeah. a cure it doesn't eliminate or cure alcoholism yeah. um, you've got to make your own changes and you do that with guidance uh, through, through counseling and so it really is you have the best shot when you mix the two of, of, of uh, counseling that, mm-hmm. that uh, the wizard brain responds to and uh, possibly medications that, that can be very, very helpful in toning down the activity of the lizard brain.
1: Oh, and it sounds good. like the uh, boutique clinic at In-Synergy <laughs> delivers this <laughs> delivers this great. Okay, Dr. Taka, we're coming to the end of the show here let's say we've got a listener sitting out there and either they themselves feel like maybe they have a problem or it's a family member that feels like maybe they have a problem what is the first step
2: first step is they can get some information we've got a great website again it's in synergystl.com if you're 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 um, overwhelmed with all this information we talked a lot about you know genetics the influence of genetics and and and, and medical conditions that that uh that promote addiction behaviors, and if you think that you want some information, you can call us six four nine stop 649 stop. We've got people call, answering the phone twenty four seven, so don't be shy. Oh, great! So, yeah. so you could call now, right? Right this. This second. is it. This, this is, is it. the show yeah. that's. We're on call.
1: Got, you have a problem? Yeah, you. Yeah, that guy right there. Yeah. yeah call there's someone's going to answer the phone right yeah put yeah, down we, the beer and call there you go. Yes, yes, <laughs> we yes don't yes. don't drive though don't drive. <laughs> Just take, take an uber Stay put for a minute yeah <laughs> yeah right I yeah, sometimes doctor- it does take something like hearing something like this no, absolutely because right? yeah.
2: there's a lot of guilt and a lot of shame and you know sometimes um no one wants to talk about uh, loss of control uh but it's not a, a lack of uh, religion or personality or anything it's a biochemical situation where the brain is kind of
0: um, hijacked. You know, for that person who may be considering a call right now, or, or may have a loved one. You know, what's you, you mentioned about three months? I mm-hmm. mean, do you see? I have to imagine it's extremely rewarding seeing a breakthrough with patients that come in the door with a substance use disorder, and after a period of treatment, you know, is there. Oh, tremendous. when they come back and they're like, "I'm out," and I it, life is different. Yeah, yeah. What's it's, that
2: like? It's great. I, I love it. I mean, you, we have an alumni group that come in and they're out of the, they're out of the program, but they come in and share their experience with the people in in the program, mm-hmm. and a lot of these guys are just normal people. You know, some of them are are heads of industry. Some of them are just you know normal people, and they come in and say, "Listen, I'm just like you. I had that lizard brain in control." And it doesn't matter who I am, what my last name is. My lizard brain is just like your lizard brain. And uh, this is the way I got healthy and, and treatment is possible. And look at me. And the testimonials are great because they're just so, so inspiring. Well,
1: that Wonderful. is fantastic. Yeah. Great. Thanks for the information. InSynergySTL.com, 314 three one four six four nine. Dr. Taka, we got to have you back Thank in. You, yeah. because that out that hour seemed it like it by. took 10 minutes, so yeah. we've got a lot more to talk about. Also, stay tuned for On the Money. Big week. You want to talk about lizard brains. <laughs> you talk about the guys <laughs> yeah, on Wall Street. Wednesday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the lizard brains are out. Stay tuned for On the Money with Bob Stockdale. We'll see you guys next week, right? Yeah. Ciao.
0: Thank out. you. Get more at 971talk.com.